everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where the Yanks are out, the Rangers officially start next week, and I still don't care about football. Forget about how much I don't care about basketball. And that, folks, is my sports update. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, general manager here at the Nahum Seagull Network, and the voice and face of Breaking Bread Oven on Instagram. You can find me here every Thursday after Allison and right before Nahum's live lunch. Yes, the rainbow challahs abound on social media, as Parshat Noach is this week. I haven't seen too many marble cake jokes. If you don't get it, it's mubble, marble. Yeah, I know it's a bit of a stretch. It took me a while to put two and two together, though I'm not exactly sure that's two and two. But yes, yes, a lot of dyed challahs, food dyed challahs are out there. Some of them are really, really pretty to look at. Even though I bake challah every week, food dye is not my thing, to be honest with you. I'm not so excited. And also it is, oh my, is it messy. Messy, messy, messy. No matter how many pairs of gloves you wear, it just, it stains everything. So I know a lot of people enjoy it, and I'm certainly not discouraging anyone from getting excited about the Parsha and doing things with your kids. I mean, it's great, but remember, folks, life is short. It takes a really long time to really dye that dough well with the amount of food coloring you need to use and in the right doses, and then to put it all together, the whole thing, I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't seem worth it to me. I will tell you that I recently read, I know it sounds crazy, it's a, I don't know, it's a great idea in my opinion, somebody is dyeing sesame seeds. Sesame seeds, when they're not roasted or toasted, are really just, they're plain white. They're just plain white. So you have that canvas, so to speak, that you can then mix with the different colors and have your different braids, your different strands of challah color there or rainbow color there and then braid that together to get your rainbow if you want to go that route. I'm not pressuring you. Frankly, I'm not going to do it. Last year, I know this was, my kids were shocked. I know I'm talking about this too much, but give me a second. Last year, my kids were shocked when I made a focaccio and I made a rainbow out of vegetables. Yeah, that's more my speed because those vegetables are naturally those colors. Pick out your red tomatoes, your yellow peppers, all your other stuff and get that color in that way instead of making a mess with the dye. I don't even want to know what's in the dye, frankly. But either way, that's a good option. And then I posted on Facebook this morning that you really could just have a water fight on Friday. How great would a Parshat Noach water fight be? I know, probably one of my best ideas yet. Either way, life is short, folks. Have fun with it, but don't go crazy. And I'm sure, as as you know me, I will post whatever I do. Today's national holidays, it's bring your Bible to school day. Now, I got to tell you something. I don't know how this is still under the radar. Bring your Bible to school day in America in 2021? Wow. Somebody must not be paying attention that this is still an acceptable national holiday. I will let you know, I did go on the website. They're not talking about our Bible, but that's not the point. The point is is that this is still a national holiday, which I think is very interesting. It's also National Chocolate-Covered Pretzel Day, which that's a shout-out to my daughter. It is National Forgiveness Day. It's Pick-A-Tune Day, which should make for a fun live lunch today. It's You Matter to Me Day. And folks, you all matter to me. It's also World Cotton Day. I have no idea how we celebrate that, except that 
I got dressed. Tomorrow is National Salmon Day, which is very exciting for me as I eat a tremendous amount of salmon. And, well, you know, I, I'll i put it to you this way. If you're not a fish person, don't worry because I'm eating enough for the both of us. I have new fortune cookies here today. I know it's very exciting. I didn't crush them on the subway today. That in itself is a feat, though I am having trouble opening the package. That's a bad sign. All right, fortune cookie, let's go. When it is dark enough, you can see stars. Yes, that's that's true. It's beautiful, and it's also just true. All right, maybe that one wasn't as as exciting as a re-entry for the fortune cookies as I hoped it would be. But anyway, we have a wonderful guest, and let's get started. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. One of my favorite people on the planet joins me today. She is a breast cancer survivor, a warrior, a hero, a mom, a wife, an altogether great human being. And I'm thrilled that she's able to join me today. Shoshana Polikoff, welcome to That's Life. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. It's actually my pleasure. And first off, I have to thank you. I'll tell you why. Because I, in a million years, don't have the chutzpah to have you on the air and know that I haven't made my annual mammogram appointment. So you were the, basically, you were my deadline. You were my, you were my last minute thing I had to make sure to take care of before we spoke, and I did. And because of you, I have scheduled my annual mammography. I am so happy to hear that. Um, that's really my goal for this month. Um, I've taken on a whole bunch of initiatives, uh, personally and with Charcharette, uh, to bring awareness to women, to encourage them to really take preventative health care seriously. And it can literally be a lifesaver, um, as it was for me. So let's talk about that. Tell us, tell us how your story starts. So my story starts uh, about a little more than two years ago. I was reading an article uh, that um, uh, highlighted Shawnee Harrigan's story and her experience with breast cancer, and it encouraged me to remember, you know, the same way that I kind of reminded you to make your appointment was to do a self-exam, and I you know, it took me some time to get myself ready to do that self-exam, and I did the self-exam, and I noticed that something didn't feel quite right. I spent a little bit of time convincing myself that it was nothing, and it didn't go away. And I called my doctor, and I said, I think I found a lump. And they said, come on in. We're going to check you out. We're going to take care of you. And the doctor, it happens to me that it didn't feel like a general uh, breast cancer tumor. And so we kind of pushed off. It was the end of summer. As you mentioned, I am a mom. End of summer is crazy time between camp ending, school starting. And I pushed it off, unfortunately, and um, ended up with an ultrasound um, about two months later in November, on November 5th. And uh, uh, during that ultrasound, knew immediately that something wasn't quite right because they were taking a little bit uh, too long of a time, and um, and they asked me to stay for a mammogram, and that mammogram turned into a biopsy. And a couple of days later, uh, unfortunately, I had the biopsy on a Thursday, so I had to wait over the weekend for my results. And on November 11th, um, I got the call from the radiologist, uh, who uh, um, has 
a terrible job. Um, <laughs> and he told me, and I remember the words very clearly, he said, your nodules are tumors, your tumors are malignant, you have breast cancer. Oh, wow. November 11th of 2019. Yes. So that is one heck of a phone call to receive, obviously, the date emblazoned in your mind. Who was the first call that you made after that? I called my husband and my sister, who has actually also been on your show. Yes. Um, and, then, and then my mom. And um, I had a premonition after the biopsy. I, I remember calling my mom and saying, I've got it. Um, and so I was not surprised by the phone call. I don't know what made me really think that, that this was going to end up that way. Um, but they were prepared. My whole family was prepared for the results and, um, my mother made herself available. She came into the city, came right over to my apartment. Um, my husband left work, came home, um, and, um, just, that was the beginning of the knowing just how supportive uh, my family is yes. from from both sides, uh, in-laws, my immediate family, and you are family uh, as well. Uh, we we go very way back, uh, so you uh, you know that about them. Yes, I certainly do, and I will also tell you that speaking of your sister, she's also one of the reasons that I made sure to make this appointment because, frankly, I'd be terrified for her to ask me and me say, no, I still haven't done it. So, you know, <laughs> between both Hulkauer sisters, um, you guys were great influences. Now, what you're, what you're mentioning, though, about the story about Shawnee Tarragon and now you sharing your story, it's almost like good peer pressure. It's that opportunity to share your story so that other people can be um, you know, can be empowered to do what they need to do or to be, I don't know if the right word is inspired. I do think it's empowered to be empowered, to do what they need to do for their own health, that they may not take the initiative because they don't think it can number one, happen to somebody they know or somebody like them. And number two, because we just don't take care of ourselves first. Absolutely. And that's a really, a really great point. And um, I am spending a lot of my time encouraging, you know, on social media, Facebook, uh, WhatsApp, Instagram, to just encourage people, not just women, to build a relationship with a medical team, your primary care physician, take note of your body, get to know your body, know what feels right, know what, and then, and then you'll know what doesn't feel right. And to really just not poo-poo how you feel. And if you think something's going on, you're your best advocate and you deserve good medical care and it's out there. And if you're someplace where you don't feel comfortable, feel empowered to find a different place. Reach out to a community with whatever you're dealing with so that you can find the best care and a compassionate team that will listen and take you seriously and just be along the ride with you. And now you mentioned Charcheret. I mean, I have joked at this point um, between the card campaign that has your face on it and the variety of different social media angles that I have seen all featuring you that you have become a Charcheret poster child. And and I think it's and I think it's great and I say it with a big smile on my fa face. So tell me how your involvement and your uh, relationship with Charcheret started. 
Sure. I had always known Sharsharit existed. Um, I was not really involved at all uh, with them, um, but I knew that they were they were there. They have a pink day uh, in I believe it's in February. So I've seen you know at different schools you know post their post their pictures of different initiatives, and so I had heard about it. Um, and then I got my diagnosis, and uh, a couple of people said you know. Did you call Sharshara yet? Even within, you know, the first couple of days. And I remember I was sitting in my office as I am now back at, back at work after a long time. And um, I picked up the phone toward the end of the day. And Sharshara has offices across the United States. So uh, there's, you know, even though it was almost 5 o'clock here, there was somebody to pick up the phone. And I was connected to the L.A. office. And um, uh, there was a woman who picked up the phone. And I said to her, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I know that I'm supposed to call you. Mm. And from that, that was the beginning of, of my relationship with this, with this one particular social worker in Los Angeles. And I have another social worker in, based in Teaneck that have been by my side throughout this process. And um, I'm really grateful to my, my personal community. I have so much support, and I'm so lucky and indebted to them. But there's something really special about Sharsharet and also having uh, a mental health professional to be with you along a breast cancer journey or any, really any journey where they're dedicated to helping you. That's mm-hmm. their job. And I say that in, in the in the best way possible. You know, there's a lot of complaining that goes on. There's a lot of needs and that's what they're there for. And they check in with me all the time. RCCS also does as well. I get a monthly phone call. How are you doing? Um, And Sharsharet and um, I didn't mention mental health. I do go to therapy and I have the most amazing therapist. And they guided me also on how do I talk to my kids about this? Mm. How do I tell them that their mom has breast cancer? Do I, use, do I use the words breast cancer? And they coached me and were so supportive of really any decision that I made on how to, on how to talk to them about it. And, of course, this was all in conjunction with my husband, uh, who is just the rock of my life. And, um, and then it also became, okay, you know, that was – Almost the easy part was telling them that I had breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Telling them that I was going to lose my hair was significantly harder wow. and harder for them as well. It was just this very physical manifestation of my mom is sick, and they were going to be looking at it all the time. Um, and Sharsharet coached me on, on how to talk to them ab- about that. And they also have this amazing thing called a busy box, which right. is <laughs> available for now it's available for people who are at risk, not just people going through breast cancer, but if you uh, have a BR, uh, BRCA1 genetic mutation, you can, uh, this is available to those families as well. And they they ask you the ages and genders of your children, and they send this box of tailored gifts and toys. And it was an amazing way to introduce my children to Sharsharet and to let them know that there are people out there that care about them as well. It's not just the care of their mom, but they're being taken care of too. And the care of their dad. There's assistance and there's guidance for the spouse as well. 
Absolutely, yes. And for siblings, parents, friends, anybody who knows somebody who's going through uh, something like breast cancer or ovarian cancer, uh, Charcheret has support for those people as well. Amazing. Just amazing. If you need more information, folks, and you're not familiar with Charcheret, you can go to charcheret.org. The the website is super user-friendly. I highly encourage everyone um, to check it out and to, frankly, to do what you can to support it. Because Charcheret is one of those organizations, and I've joked about it before, Charcheret is one of those organizations that wished it didn't have to exist. But it does. It does, and, and it serves a tremendous, tremendous need in our community. As you're hearing Shoshana's story, she can attest to that. So it is our part to support them so that they can support members of our community, charcheret.org. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and I'm joined by breast cancer survivor and warrior and hero, Shoshana Polikoff. So, Shoshana, here's a practical question, which either may make you, like, exhale or sigh. What was it like to go through treatment during COVID? So I was really <laughs> lucky, and okay. I got to um, I got to start the process before COVID started. Um, I was diagnosed in September of twenty uh, in November of twenty nineteen. Right. I started treatment in December. Uh, COVID hit you know March time, and then the hospital started changing their their regulations in late March April. So I really got to get used to going to chemo, what it was like with somebody by my side. Um, and so when I had to do it by myself, I didn't have to, it was less scary because it, it was not unfamiliar mm. to me. And I will say this about the doctors and nurses and receptionists, everybody who works um, at, uh, I, went, I had my treatments done at Mount Sinai at the Jubin Breast Center, and everybody who worked there, they were amazing before COVID, and then it, they just stepped it up, and they knew everyone was going alone. Everyone was doing this without someone in the room with them by their side, helping them through those hours of sitting, and, uh, you know, sometimes you have to uh, soak your hands and feet in ice, and um, they just made the experience amazing and supportive and loving. And they didn't let you feel like you were alone. Um, and then also as a mom and with kids at home on Zoom school, uh, I, I, I start to laugh about it a little bit, but I used to think of chemo as a little bit of my vacation. Um, I got to... I got to leave my apartment um, and go to this place that had a private room, a comfy chair, a TV, blankets. They brought, they had kosher food available, um, and it was just a few hours of some quiet time. And then, that, you know, one of the things that I think about is going back to my apartment afterward and it being full. And I, it was very helpful. My husband was home, so we didn't have to worry about about child care while I went in for treatments, and um, I came home and I got to hug my kids mm. right away. And if I wasn't feeling well, I usually kind of just like crawled into bed. Um, and I have some little kids. My kids at the time were uh, seven, five, and fourteen months. Um, so the, the fourteen-month-old, thank God for his babysitter. She took care of him all through COVID. Yeah. Um, 
and my uh, my five year old would kind of just kind of always crawl into bed with me, and just cuddle. And his teacher did a lot of videos uh, instead of Zoom. They did she recorded videos, and we'd watch them together. And that was just a very special time for me um, to have with my son. And he is super cuddly and delicious, <laughs> and he just kind of would just give me what I needed. Amazing, amazing kids. You know. They just sense what they just sense it. They just have this sense. It's um, it really is a blessing. Um, I also just want to mention that recently the DeSantis family, the first family of Florida, um, has gone public with the fact that um, Casey DeSantis, wife of Governor Ron DeSantis, has been diagnosed with breast cancer, and she will be starting treatment as well. And I, I wonder, from you know, from your point of view, how helpful are those stories as well? Those let's say, you know, well-known, famous people who are influencers or, or people with influence, how important is it, them, is it for them to share their stories? It's obviously important and impactful when people like you and people like Shawnee Tarragon on a, on a minor level or a, a, a more um, one-to-one level share their stories. How important do you feel it is that people on a macro level like Casey DeSantis share their stories? It's hugely important, and there, I think that there are a lot of misconceptions about breast cancer and things that we don't know about breast cancer until you're up close and personal with it, and I think that the more information that's out there, the more empowered women can be to take care of themselves, and it takes a little bit of the mystery out of it, you know, when you're going through it. Um, I remember not so clearly, because I was younger, when, you know, uh, News, uh, um, I'm losing my word, sorry, something that also good, does happen uh, with <laughs> chemo, with brain, and I don't have it back. Um, you know, newscasters, when they were, uh, some of the women were taking the cameras in with them when they went into their mammograms. Um, Angelina Jolie's story, and and now uh, um, with, with um, the DeSantis family, that it's so important because it gets information out there. It makes it less scary. Uh, a little bit. It's terrifying, but it does make it a little bit less scary. And to be able to see people go through it and be okay, not everybody gets to be that lucky, um, but it it helps bring hope. It helps with information, and information really is power. When I was diagnosed, the first thing that I learned was that there are multiple kinds of breast cancer, and I didn't know that um, until then. And um, and each different kind has a different treatment. Um, so there's really a lot to learn, and people sharing their stories is, I think, the best thing that they that they can do to encourage people to take care of their health, but also it creates a sense of community. You know, when I when I heard about uh, uh, Mrs. DeSantis, I'm sorry, I'm uh, Casey. I wrote her, I wrote her name, name down. Don't worry, I wrote her name down. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, I, I actually said to Yosef, I'm like, I want to send her an email. Um, and he was like, what? I'm like, I just want to let her know that she's not alone, and that there are people who go through this all the time. And, and I like, it felt funny because I'm like, you know, I, I live in New York City and I'm just, you know, you know, um, and um, I just wanted to, I felt 
so much that I wanted to reach out to her um, to just say, you got this. Mm. And, um, and awesome. to just th- having a community and is really important. Um, so I think just even knowing that people are out there, even if you don't know them personally, right. is very helpful. Well, knowledge is also power, and we encourage everyone to go to sharsharet.org and get information, get solid information, be advised by people who are knowledgeable, and of course, early screening and detection is imperative. Shoshana, I wish you continued good health. It is so great to speak to you. Your story is amazing, your family is amazing, and you should just continue to go from strength to strength. Thank you so much. This was really an honor. Thank you. Absolutely my pleasure. The honor has been mine. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Again, sharsharet.org is where you can get more information about breast cancer. Um, we have, of course, a full day of programming here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Live lunch will begin in just a few moments. Throwback Thursdays at 1 p.m. JM Rewind at 4 p.m. Erev Shabbos show hosted by Mark Sonic, brought to you by our friends at Kedem at 7 p.m. Of course, tomorrow morning. JM and AM starts at 6 a.m. and Naomi begins at 9 a.m. with Table for Two. Avrami hosts Saturday, Saturday Night Seagull this Motsay Shabbat, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Matis hosts JM Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we close with a new single by Avi Hess. He is covering Lachadodi by Rav Shlomo Karlbach. I wish everyone a blessed and a healthy new month. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Shmelech!